I want to welcome everybody again. There's a few more of you here than we're here the first time uh, I was up here. It's good to see you. Uh, if you. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to turn there in your Bible. But we're going to, we're going to start with a video clip today. And uh, it's of a commercial. You may or may not have seen it. Um, you may be wondering when you look at it why I'm showing this. But uh, it'll set up what we're talking about today and it'll make sense in a minute. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Was Abe Lincoln honest? Does this dress make my backside look big? Perhaps a bit. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So we're, we're talking about honesty today, and, and the reason that I showed that is because I, I think it illustrates something. I think, you know, most of us sitting in this room have been taught uh, over the course of our lives that lying is wrong. But if we're honest, I think we all have to admit that we face situations where it is tempting to lie. Okay? So just take that particular scenario. Now, husbands... All right, look, eyes on me, don't look to the left or right, no reaction, don't twitch a muscle unless your wife is not here, and then I guess you can do whatever you want to do unless she's watching the live stream, but uh, you have been in this situation before, right? You have been asked this question uh, or some form of it before, and you were at least tempted to lie if not you actually lied, right? We, we, sometimes we know what we're supposed to do, but uh, it's a little harder to do it. Studies show, and I mean, different studies show different things somewhat, but it, it seems as though if you can uh, rely on these, because it's based on self-reporting, so people could have been lying, but uh, studies seem to show that on average, Americans lie one to two times a day. But, and and. This wasn't hard for me to believe, and if you've ever known someone who's like a habitual liar, it won't be hard for you to believe either. The research seems pretty consistent to, to show that about 5% of the population tells about 50% of the lies. Now think about that for a second. But if you've ever met a pathological liar, if you know some people, and I certainly know some people like this, who seem almost incapable of telling the truth, then that's what's accounting for that uh, in, in the research. And so we're going to talk about the issue of honesty today, of putting off lying, of putting on uh, the truth. Now, let me kind of start with some background and, and, and some context, and then we're really just going to focus on one verse today, but we're going to do it in the context of where we are in the book of Ephesians. So, of course, I haven't been here the last couple of Sundays. Uh, Preston preached 4, 13 through 16 a couple of weeks ago. Brian preached 4, 17 through 24 last week. But if you remember, if you remember, if you've been with us, if not, uh, you know, this stuff's online if you want to go back and kind of catch up. But the, the first half of the book of Ephesians is doctrine. It's what Jesus has done for us, who we are in Christ. And then there's the word therefore at the beginning of chapter four that kind of switches. And now we're in the application section. 
And so, you know, we've talked about that the main idea, what we're going to kind of frame everything within in the second half of the book, is this statement. Uh, We live out what Jesus expects of us by living out of what Jesus has done for us. And, and so uh, it's the idea that Jesus has some expectations of us once we're saved. There's a lot of commands in the New Testament. But the idea is not, you know, we obey to get right with God. We obey because Jesus has made us right. It's not something we do on our own. The Christian life is not us living for Jesus. But it's Jesus living in us and through us to change us and to empower us to live the life that God wants us uh, to live. And so, you know, uh, verses 1 through 16 then of chapter 4 talks about, you know, our oneness in Christ and then our diversity in Christ through our spiritual gifts. But then in verses 17 through 24 uh, that that Brian uh, dealt with last week, this gets very specific about us being new people in Christ. And really, 4, 1 through 16 go together, and then 4, 17 through 32 go together, with 17 through 24 being the foundation, 25 through 32 being the practical applications. And so we're actually going to spend the next four weeks in verses 25 through 32, and because these are such real-life issues that I want to hit them one by one and, uh, you know, spend, uh, I mean, we, we need to know about honesty, I think. We need to know uh, about anger and forgiveness. We need to know about how our words uh, affect people, how God wants us to use our words. We need to know about you know, working instead of stealing, being generous. These are the kind of issues that are, that are dealt with here. But in, in verses 17 through 24... Uh, it, it says this, and, and, and this will give us the, the context, the framework out of which we're going to look at these practical issues. Paul writes, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, what does walk mean? It's how we live, lifestyle. So he's saying, and, and Gentiles here means non-Christians. So he, he's saying, don't live like you did before you got saved if you are a Christian. That's what that verse means. He's saying, God has made you new in Christ. Live like a uh, new person. He says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. It's talking about our spiritual condition before Christ, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But he says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Once again, you're new. You've got a new identity. You're a new person. We have to live out of that. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the main idea of this section is that Jesus made us new. So we live new lives by putting off the old and then putting on the new through the renewing of our minds. So we're a new person, but we have to change the way that we think through the truth of the Word of God. So in day-to-day life, in our practice, in these practical issues of life, we're living like a new person. We're putting off our old, ungodly, sinful ways, and we're putting on new Christ-like ways. So let, 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 me, give you, uh, let me give you an analogy, okay? Uh, think about it this way. So let, let's say that you and your wife 
go to work one day, and you work at two different places, and you decide that after work, you're going to meet at the gym, and you're going to work out. But then after uh, your workout, uh, one of you through your work, there's some kind of function that you have to go to, some kind of work function that requires you to dress up. So you're going to work, work out, you know, get ready at the gym, and then you're going to go to this fancy function. Okay, and so uh, for this event, uh, the husband, he has to wear a suit and a tie, and, and, and the wife gets uh, a new dress and even some cute matching shoes to go with the dress, which that's an awesome day for a woman, right? You get cute new shoes, you get to wear them for the first time. This should be a good day. So you work, you go work out. So each of you, you work out, you work out really hard, you work out for an hour, you spend like 30 minutes on the treadmill, do uh, uh, like three miles on the treadmill, and then you go lift some weights, and you're both drenched with sweat, so you go to the locker room to get ready, you shower, you get clean, but then instead of putting on the new suit and the new dress and, and the shoes, you put back on your dirty, sweaty, stinky workout clothes, and you wear this to that event. Now, if someone did that, what kind of words would you use to describe that? Okay, crazy. What would you say? Stupid. Okay. Somebody in the first service said insane. What, what else? Gross. Funky, yeah. yeah. You're gonna smell funky. Uh, I mean, you think people at that event are gonna kind of be put off by you? Like, what's wrong with this person? They might not even let you in. You know, There's, nobody's gonna to want to sit with you. Uh, something like that doesn't make any sense, does it? But here's what I want you to understand: spiritually, we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're clean. We've been clothed in His righteousness. Spiritually, we've, we've got a new suit and tie. We've got a new dress and some cute little shoes to put on. But when we practically, in our day-to-day lives, through our obedience, don't put those clothes on and we still live in sin, we're going back and we're wearing our sweaty, stinky, gross, smelly workout clothes. And what do you think people think about that? No wonder people are turned off by Christians sometimes when we talk about forgiveness and we talk about the cross and we talk about newness. But when they see us, they don't see the new, they see the old. And so positionally, we're new, we're cleansed in Christ. But Paul says practically, we've got to put off the old and put on the new. And we do this then through the renewing of our minds. Now, He's not just going to speak generally. He's not going to just say, well, you know, act like a new person. He's going to get very, very specific here with these practical issues uh, that I mentioned. And like I said, today we're going to talk about honesty. We're going to talk about putting off lying and putting on the truth. Look at what he says in verse 25. He says, therefore, and so therefore, it connects it back to what he just said. He's saying, this is the principle now. This is how you apply it. This is how you live it out. Uh, You know, the Bible is not just an airy-fairy kind of book. It's very practical, down-to-earth, real life. He, He says we're to work out our faith in these kind of everyday issues. He says, therefore, putting away lying. Now, these two words, putting away, that you see here, this little phrase, is actually one word in the Greek language. 
And you, you remember the story in, uh, in the book of Acts where they stoned Stephen. He was the first martyr of the Christian church. And you remember how uh, the people who were stoning him, they would have taken off their outer garments and they laid them at the feet of Saul, who was later converted and became the apostle Paul. Well, the word that he uh, uses here is the same Greek word for them taking off their clothes and laying them at the feet of the Apostle Paul. This is the picture that he's giving here. He's saying, take off, strip off, cast aside, lay down, lying. That's, that's a command. Okay, He's telling us to stop this, to put this away, to get rid of it in our lives as believers. And remember, he's speaking to Christians here. If you're not a Christian, I'm not trying to be moralistic and just giving you a lecture about lying. I mean, I would encourage you to consider the truth of the Word of God, of who Jesus is. But he's speaking to Christians. He's saying we're new, live like we're new. This is one of the ways that we live like we're new. If we're new, we're now people of the truth because Jesus is the truth. How do we say that we're new and going around telling lies all the time? He's saying, lay this down. Now, We'll read the rest of the verse. I should probably define what I'm talking about with a lie. Okay? A mistake is when we say something that's wrong unintentionally. For example, you could say 30 plus 20 is 60. That's a mistake. For many of you, that's an easy mistake to make because it's math. And that's not a lie. Right? At least you hope it's not a lie because some of you are lying a lot if mathematical mistakes qualify as lies. But it's unintentional. It's just a mistake. There's nothing moral about it. There's nothing sinful uh, about it. A lie is when we intentionally uh, try to deceive someone. A, a lie would be is if, uh, say, Leanne Phillips, for whatever reason, borrowed $20 from me one day, and I told her that she really owed me $30 or something like that to try to get more money uh, from her. A lie is intentional uh, deceit. It's not an unintentional mistake. So he says, you know, put away lying, put away deceit, deception, intentionally saying things you know not to be true or accurate. But then he says, on the flip side, the positive side, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, in which, you know, we're all neighbors, you know, remember Jesus, the parable of the Good Samaritan, would imply that we're to love each other, and part of the ways that we love each other is by speaking the truth. Uh, you can't love someone and lie to them. I, well, let me rephrase that. You can love someone and lie to them, but if you're lying someone, you are not treating them with love at that particular moment. He says, for we are members of one another. We, we belong to one another as the body of Christ. And so just to kind of boil this down to one main thought, I, I would say the main idea of this, just in a, say it in a simple way, is a new person in Christ is an honest person. A new person in Christ is to be, is to live as an honest person. In other words, if you say you're a Christian and you're not consistently honest, there's some kind of major disconnect there. A new person in Christ is to be an honest person. Now, 
just to kind of reinforce this, let me show you a few other verses in Scripture from the book of Proverbs, and then we'll kind of walk through um, Ephesians 4.25. And like I say, I don't think I have to convince uh, most of us, maybe any of us, that lying is wrong. But I want to get real practical with like why we lie, what really constitutes a lie, because I think a lot of times we can lie to ourselves, we can excuse things, we, we can uh, you know, justify things, and how we actually go about putting off lying and putting on speaking the truth. But just listen to the Word of God, Proverbs 6, uh, starting verse 16, says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are abomination to him. Just question, if God says he hates something, you think we might ought to pay attention to that? Notice what he says. He hates a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Three of those have to do with our words. Two directly, and I would say all three, at least indirectly, have to do with lying. God says he hates it. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Proverbs 14, 5 says, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. Listen, don't tell someone you love them and lie to them because the Bible says you're hating on them when you lie to them. And a flattering mouth works ruin. Some of you have experienced that. You've had seen relationships, families ruined by lies. So, how do we actually live as an honest person? How do we go about living this out, applying this in our day-to-day lives? Well, first of all, we put off lying. What, what, what does that mean? That basically means what I'm challenging us to do today is for us to make a commitment to God that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that lying is just not an option in any situation. That the only option is to speak the truth. You've heard the old saying, honesty is the best policy. I kind of took that and put a twist on it. The title of the message is, honesty is the only policy. That's a biblical conviction for uh, Christians. So we put off lying, number one. How do we do this? We put off lying by the renewing of our minds. In other words, we have to change the way that we think about lying. So I want to try to help us to do that. Like I say, try to be real practical. So let's start with why we lie. I, I mean, w- once again, if, if I took a, a, an anonymous survey here, I seriously doubt if there's anybody, and if there is, I would almost be willing to guarantee that it'd be less than 5% who would say that lying is morally acceptable. But I doubt if there's anybody here also who would say, I've never told a lie. And some of you, probably, it's still part of your character. So the question would be, why? You know, what causes us to do this? Well, I think one reason is pragmatism that we learn from our culture. Now, Christians don't have an excuse for this because we have the Word of God. But, but aren't we taught uh, that, uh, you know, truth is relative, uh, you know, morals are situational. And so, you know, under the right circumstances, a lie could be okay. 
You know, research shows the majority of Americans don't think there's anything wrong with lying, which makes sense because research shows the majority of Americans believe that truth is relative instead of absolute. So if truth is relative, how can you say that lying is wrong? But I would say this exposes to me one of the many things that exposes people don't really believe that. It's a convenient justification. But let's just say for a second he's not, but let's just say Dwayne Sloan is a moral relativist. But let's say I lie to Dwayne, which I'm sure I can never get away with because he's a judge and, you know, he can, uh, you know, he, he can read through all that, knows, sees through it all. But let's just say I, I kind of snuck something past Dwayne and I swindled him out of, of, of some money through my creative use of the truth, through, you know, twisting and turning and basically through telling lies. You think Dwayne's going to come up to me and say, man, that was pretty cool the way you snuck that around me and I'm pretty impressed with your ability to lie. Or is he going to be mad at me? Is he going to be wanting his money back? Is he going to think that's wrong? You get lied to, you get cheated, you're going to say it's wrong. So, we, can't, we don't have the option to then turn around and say, well, under these circumstances or if it helps me, it's okay to lie. We don't get to decide what morality is. There's a study and some writing done by some scientific association that basically, I'll just paraphrase it, that they said that proficiency of lying is kind of the best measurement of advancement and that humans are better at it than anybody. And so basically they're just saying it's part of the evolutionary adaptation, part of what actually makes us human, and it's a virtue instead of a vice, basically. So we're taught this by culture. So we have to kind of swim upstream, work against this. And, and that's why I, need to th- I think I need to take the time to really dig into this today. Second reason we lie is greed. People lie for money, don't they? You ever heard this, somebody say this? Just business. Which means, you know, you can do one thing over here, but this is just business over here. People cheat on their taxes. That's lying for money. Uh, people will, uh, you know, make you a shady deal. It's, people lie for greed all the time. I mean, think about how many people were hurt by the Bernie Madoff scandal. That's lying because of greed. Um, sometimes the reasons that, that we lie is to harm others. I mean, if we're just honest, some, peop- some lies are told maliciously just to make people look bad hurt people, revenge, mess with people's lives. Sometimes that's why we lie. Um, Sometimes we lie. This has to be one of the most common reasons to stay out of trouble, to save face, to avoid embarrassment, right? How many times did you lie to your parents growing up and, you know, to try to get out of trouble? How many times did it work? Hopefully we've grown out of that, but a lot of people don't. Um, sometimes people lie just to get our own way, to, to advance ourselves, you know, to, to get something, to get ahead uh, of somebody else. A uh, common reason that people lie is to make ourselves look or feel better. Uh, I don't know if this would surprise you or not, but research shows that two of the most common situations that people lie in is one, when they're applying for a job on their resume or in a job interview, and two, on dating sites. 
Why are people lying in, in those circumstances? To make themselves look better uh, than, than they really are. So, but the root of all this, I mean, like I say, we're trying to just kind of look past just the, the outward uh, part of things, but to really get to the heart, to the root issues of things, is, is what's the heart of this? I, I think the root of this is fear, it's insecurity, it, it's us trying to please other people, us trying to look good uh, to other people in, in, in most cases. So, uh, I want you to watch a video that illustrates this. It's a little a comedy bit by Tim Hawkins. It's hilarious, but I, I think it makes the point as well. The first lady in the line, she walks up to me and she goes, would you put your favorite Bible verse under your name for me? Just your name and then put your favorite Bible verse under your name. Did you do that? I'm like, oh, okay. Um, sure. Well, my favorite Bible verse is Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. That was my favorite verse. But that night, I forgot the verse. I just blanked on it. You know how sometimes, you, you know? Like, sir, when you dress today. You know what I'm talking about? It's like your brain is, yeah, it's just not working. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, it's, it's Psalm something. I got to pick something. And I said, oh, I'll just have to make up a verse here. So I did, I picked Psalm, Psalm 38, verse seven. Just picked it out of thin air. Psalm 38, seven, okay, I did it. Like an idiot, I did them all that way. Tim Hawkins, Psalm 38, seven. Hope you enjoyed the show. So I'm driving home that night, I'm like, oh Lord, I hope that was a good verse. Oh Lord, could you change the scripture if it's not, just for one night? But he did not hear my prayer. So I get home and I look up Psalm 38, verse 7. And to my horror, it says, Lo, I have a painful disease in my loins. And I signed it a hundred times and send it out in my own little mission field. Go! Take the word! Don't forget my loin problem! Build schools and hospitals! Don't forget my loin disease! Because you know those people looked it up. You know they did. They probably made a big deal out of it. Come on here, sit down, kids. Sit down, we're gonna read this first. Turn the TV off. Get over here. Here it is. Psalm 38, 7. Shh. It says, Life first. Shh. It says, Lo, I have a painful disease. I shook his hand. <laughs> so, I think those are some of the reasons. Why wow, is there any point in me going on with the sermon? Now you need another need another minute. I, any point? Uh, or there's different reasons, you know, why we lie. But at the root of it, we're trying to cover 
something. We're trying to make ourselves look better. If we're going to uh, you know, be people of the truth, you know, on the inside, we, we have to be secure in who we are in Christ. Adrian Rogers said, it's better to be hated for telling the truth than loved for telling a lie. But if you can't live without people's love, acceptance, and approval, probably what are you going to end up doing? You're going to tell a lie to get that love, acceptance, and, and, and approval. Adrian Rogers also said, it's better to speak truth that hurts and then helps than falsehood that comforts and then kills. But are we secure enough on the inside to say what needs to be said? Second, and I'll just give you a list. We'll go through it quickly. But I want us to think about some ways that we lie. Because, you know, once again, maybe, probably a lot of us sitting here, we're not just going to tell some big, huge whopper of a lie. But I think lying can be more subtle sometimes than we want to admit uh, to ourselves. Sometimes we lie because of exaggeration. You know, we exaggerate, uh, you know, how, how well we did. We, you know, the, uh, the fish was eight pounds instead of eight ounces or uh, you know, we, we, we shot a 117 on the golf course instead of a 98 or what, whatever it was. Or, you know, we just we make ourselves look better, you know, things that, that we've done. Cheating is the way that people lie. Realize cheating is lying. I mean, if you're cheating on your taxes, you're lying. If you're fudging on your expense report at work, you're lying. If you're fudging on your time card, you're lying. If you're a student, and I've just been amazed at how rampant cheating is in school at this point, both public school and Christian school. If you're cheating, you're lying. It's, it's dishonesty. Um, plagiarism. Is intellectual lying and intellectual theft. You take someone else's you know, words or, or, or thoughts, particularly when it's something in, in writing, maybe the standard's a little looser in, 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 you know, in giving a talk, but if you take someone else's thoughts, uh, I mean, that's a form of lying. It's a form of, uh, of theft. It's like some of this list I got from uh, Kent Hughes. I think that's in your notes. So if you take someone else's you know, thoughts, words, use them as your own. You know, there's pastors who have gotten fired for just preaching other people's sermons as their own. And they should be. Um, breaking promises is a form of lying. Now, I'm not saying when we really try and, you know, maybe, you know, we uh, apologize, we, we tried. But I mean, if we just make a promise and we didn't really try to keep it, you know, we can lie to God. You ever broken a promise to God before? I have. I told you before, I don't do that kind of thing anymore. But, uh, you know, we can, we can lie to God. Uh, betraying a confidence. Somebody tells you something, you tell them you won't tell anybody. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, things where you'd be legally obligated to tell it, like abuse or suicide or something like that. I'm just saying somebody confides something in you, and you turn around and tell somebody else after you said you wouldn't. That is a lie. I don't care who you tell it to. Flattery can be a form of lying when you give a compliment and you don't really mean it. Like a woman says to another woman, oh, what a pretty dress. And then she goes and says to her friend, can you believe how hideous that thing is that she's wearing? That's a lie. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Um, excuses can be a form of lying a lot of times. I mean, you know, th this is something that I'm trying in my life just to make sure it doesn't happen anymore because I think back on excuses I've given. They're just sometimes kind of ridiculous sometimes. Or, you know, when you're a pastor, you hear a lot of excuses. They're pretty ridiculous usually. And most of the time, they're not really even exactly true. 
I mean, sometimes they are, but, you know, uh, we, we say we're late because we got stuck in traffic. When we got stuck in traffic for 30 seconds, and the real reason that we're late is because we left 20 minutes later than we needed to leave to get there. That's a lie at, at the end of the day. Um, slander is a form of lying. And you say, what's slander? Well, gossip and slander got to kind of go together. Gossip is saying things about people that you shouldn't say, repeating stuff that you shouldn't repeat, but it's true. Slander is repeating stuff, saying things about people that you shouldn't say, but it's actually false. So it's lying, and it's, uh, it's basically falsely accusing people, bearing false witness against someone, which is the ninth commandment. I think, now I said, you know, a mistake is not a lie, but if someone is chronically inaccurate and they don't care, if they're all the time saying things that are incorrect and untrue, at some point, I think that may cross the line over to lying. We need to be careful and precise in what we say. Sometimes insinuation can be the form of a lie. I mean, you can say something, ask a question that maybe it's not the words in and of themselves aren't a lie, but it's implying something about someone that's actually not true. Half-truths can be lies sometimes. You know, there's a little bit of truth in there, but a whole lot of a lie that's, you know, deceiving people and leading them astray. You know what? We can actually live a lie. Hypocrisy. Secrets. Living a double life, acting like we're one thing in public and being something else in private. We can live a lie. And so, like I said, lying can be really subtle. And sometimes we can lie to ourselves and deceive ourselves into you know, thinking that we're being truthful when we're really not. So here's my point. If we're going to overcome lying and be people of the truth... We need to stop lying to ourselves, and we need to call lying what it is. We don't need to justify it, excuse it, shade it, uh, you know, try to you know, work our way around what it really is. Let me give you an example of this. I shared this as an illustration a few years ago in a different context. But um, Sarah Philippone, she's now Sarah Marcus. Um, She's been in true life for a long time, and uh, when I don't, I think you were in college, Sarah. Uh, you broke your collarbone, right? You know what I'm talking about here. She broke her collarbone, and so they're going to have surgery, uh, do surgery to basically put it back together. And um, the thing that she was most nervous about about the surgery, which I can relate to, when I tore my ACL and had surgery, I think I was more nervous about the IV than actually having surgery because I was out. Uh, you know, when they were going to do the surgery, and she kind of felt the same way. So she talked to him about it in the pre-op. And they said, oh, well, we'll numb it. We'll take care of it for you. You won't even feel it, that kind of thing. Well, she gets to the hospital that day. They're going to do the surgery. They do none of that, you know, and they're sticking her and she's feeling it and all this kind of thing. And so when the surgeon comes in to see her before the surgery, she says something to him about it. It's like, you know, you, you guys said you would do this and you didn't do it. And, uh, you know, I uh, felt the IV, all these kind of things. You didn't do what you said you would do. And he kind of just laughs it off and says, oh, around here, we call that the old bait and switch. And Sarah says, well, that may be what you call it around here, but ever since I've been in the first grade, I've been calling that a lie. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I'm saying. We need to kind of cut through the fog of some of these things and call it what it is. Call it a lie. And stop making excuses and um, you know, be careful in our speech. Now, we're going to change our thinking. I, I think there's a, an, another question we need to answer, and that is, well, why is it actually wrong? 
And let me just give you a few reasons quickly here. First of all, it goes against the command of God. The ninth command, Exodus 20, 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. God's just ingrained this into the fabric of the world. Second, it actually goes against the character of God. If we say that we're a follower of God, Ephesians 5, 1 says be imitators of God. If we're imitating God, we're going to be people of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The flip side of that is lying actually makes us like Satan. John 8, 44, Jesus said, you're of the, your father the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and is not standing the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Think about it this way. When we speak the truth, we're imitating God. When we speak lies, we're imitating Satan. You see the disconnect in that if we're claiming to be a Christian? So lying, we, we, we saw this in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Lying goes against the new nature of believers. Lying goes against the body of Christ. We belong to each other. And so when we're being dishonest, we're hurting each other. And then ultimately... You know, we reap what we sow. Jesus said you'll be known by your fruits. We need to apply the fruit test to anything. The fruit of lies is destruction. The fruit of lies is destruction. I mean, I mean think about it. Lying destroys us sometimes. Remember when Martha Stewart went to prison? Uh, she went to prison for, I think it was five months. Uh, she had an insider trading deal, $45,000, she lied about it, went, ended up going to prison for five months, and says she probably lost like a billion dollars of her net worth because of that, because of a lie. Lying is destructive to us. Lying can certainly be destructive to other people. And in that same article, it was talking about Martha Stewart. It talked about how common it is now for people to commit perjury in court because it's so hard to prove. And in some cases, and this certainly is not a blanket statement uh, about police officers, but in some cases, you know, police officers, like they were talking about some police officers in New York who coined a term called testa-lying because what they were doing is they were like planning evidence and then lying about it in court so they could get con convictions. That's destructive to somebody else's life. Lying can be destructive to relationships. I mean, all of us, I, I, I imagine, or many of us, could give examples in our lives of relationships. Maybe even families, maybe marriages that have fallen apart because of lies and deceit. So, you know, God, his commands are rooted in his nature and who he is. He's truth, so he hates lying. But also, he's love, and he hates lying because he knows that it harms us instead of helps us. So, we need to change our thinking about this, not believe the lies of the world, not believe the lies of Satan, but believe the truth of the word of God that if we want to be like God, we want to live a new person. And, if, and really, if we want our life uh, to be blessed in the way it should be, we need to be honest people. So we renew our minds, but then out of renewing our minds, we repent of lying. We repent. We, we put it off by repenting. So what does that look like? Well, first of all, let me, let me say this. Maybe this isn't something that we do, 
But it's something the Bible teaches that we, we need to recognize, and I think I need to say something about this quickly. The Bible teaches us that habitual lying is an indication that a person may not actually be saved. Now notice I said habitual lying. I'm not saying if you've ever told a lie since you've been a Christian that you're going to hell. I'm saying habitual lying. If that's your character, if there's not repentance and change and brokenness, just look at what the Bible says. I'll just let Scripture speak for itself. Psalm 101.7, He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tell lies, tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Matthew 12, 36, 37, Jesus said, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In other words, what comes out of our mouths is a revealer of what's in our hearts. Remember what this quote I've used at different times in, um, in, in uh, this series through Ephesians? Don't tell me what you believe. Show me your life, and I'll tell you what you believe. So don't tell me that like you're all about truth, and God's a God of truth, and the Bible's the, you know, the word of truth, when lies is what consistently comes out of your mouth. Revelation 21.8 says, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Pretty strong words, but that's God's word. If that's our character, it's a sign that our heart has not been regenerated. Now, you say, though, okay, that's not me. I hate lying. I don't want to lie, but, you know, occasionally I mess up. What do I do? Well, if we're going to repent, we confess it to God as sin. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, you know what's interesting? The word confess actually means to agree with. So basically it's saying, let's get honest about our sin. Let's get honest about our lies. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But now, here's the next thing. This may be really hard, but this is exactly what some of you need to do today if this message is going to impact your life. If we lie to somebody, we need to make it right with other people. We need to make it right with that person with the people that it's affected. You see, because true repentance, if, if our sin hurts, involves, affects other people, it's not just making it right with God, it's making it right with the people that it affects. To confess it to them, to ask for their forgiveness. You say, and I don't think I could do that. You say, you don't know what will happen if I do that. It's going to ruin that relationship. It, it, it may ruin my marriage. I, I mean, if, if I tell the truth about fill in the blank, it may be over. Can I just tell you that it's just, if, if you're living a lie, if there's secrets, if there's things that are hidden in the closet, whatever it may be, if you're having an affair, if you're talking to somebody online, if you're watching porn, if you've cheated somebody, whatever it may be, it's basically already over and it's just a sham and a facade right now as long as you're living in the lie instead of living in the truth. And here's the reality. Everything comes to light. God said that. Whatever's in the dark, he is going to bring it to light. There may be some things that don't come to light until the judgment day. But here's what I've found in being in ministry for 30 years this month and being a pastor for about 23 years now is you would be amazed at the stuff that God brings to light. 
It's really hard to hide stuff. And if you're hiding something, it's probably going to come out. And here's what I promise you. you got a whole lot better chance of fixing it if you bring it out than if the other person finds it. And here's the other thing I would say. You may say, man, if, 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 if I bring this out, it may, it may end it. That may be true. But it may fix it. Because there's freedom in the truth. And like I said... If you choose not to bring it out, it may come out anyway, number one. And number two, it may just be eating away at the core of things, and you don't even realize it. Rick Warren says we're only as sick as our secrets. Listen, you can't live a lie and have a healthy life and have healthy relationships What is it that you're hiding? What is it that you're covering up? What needs to be brought out into the light in your life and in your relationships? Donald Miller, who's a a writer, uh, wrote this about himself. He, He said, I live for a time with my friend and mentor, John McMurray, where the first rule is to always tell the truth. John and I were sitting in the family room one night when he asked about my new cell phone. I got it free, I told him. How did you get it for free, he asked. Well, my other one broke, so I took it in to see if they could replace it. They had this new computer system at the store, and they didn't have their records. They didn't know whether mine was still under warranty. It wasn't, I knew, because it was more than a year year old. The guy asked me about it, and I told him I didn't know but it was right around a year. Just a white lie, you know. Anyway, the phone was so messed up, they replaced it with a newer model, so I got a free phone. And his friend, his mentor, responded, did you ever see that movie, The Family Man, with Nicolas Cage? There's this scene where Nicolas Cage walks into a store to get a cup of coffee, and Don Cheadle plays the guy working at the counter. There's a girl in line before Nicolas Cage, and she's buying something for 99 cents, and she hands Cheadle a dollar. Cheadle takes $9 out of the till and counts it out, giving her way too much change. She sees that he is handing her way too much money, yet she picks it up and puts it in her pocket, puts it in her pocket without saying a word. As she is walking out the door, Cheadle stops her for, uh, to give her another chance. He asks her if there's anything else that she needs. She shakes her head no and walks out. I see what you're getting at, John, I I say. He said, let me finish. So Cheadle looks over at Nicolas Cage and he says, did you see that? She was willing to sell her character for $9. $9. After I was quiet for a little while, I spoke up. Do you think that... This is what I'm doing with the phone. Do you think I'm selling my character? And to be honest, I said this with a smirk. John replied, I do. The Bible talks about having a calloused heart. That's when sin, after a period of time, has so deceived us, we no longer care whether our thoughts and actions are right or wrong. Our hearts will go there easily and often over what looks like little things, little white lies. All I'm saying to you as your friend is watch for this kind of thing. Don Miller says, I went back to the store the next day. It cost me more than $9, but I got my character back. That's what repentance is. And is there some way in our lives that we need to repent? 
then we need to pay the price to get our character back. You see, here's the thing about lying. You know, you probably heard this saying before, but you either pay now or you pay later. But when you pay later, the price is always greater. And see, here's the thing about a lie. Honestly, sometimes in the short run, it'll save you. It'll save you face. It'll save you money. It may save you something else. But in the long run, it'll cost you everything you've got because it'll bankrupt your soul. It'll bankrupt your uh, emotions. It'll bankrupt your relationships. You pay later. Pay now, you pay later. But when you pay later, the price is always greater. You pay the price right now to get this right with God, to get this right with other people, to put off lying. And then he tells us there not just to put off lying, but to put on truth. To be committed, to speak the truth, no matter the cost, no matter the consequence, in every situation. Well, how do we do this? Let me just give you a few practical thoughts uh, to close with. I'll hit these quickly in about five minutes. How do we actually put on the truth in our lives? Number one, I think we have to fear God more than we fear man. In other words, if if you're more interested in pleasing people than you are God, you'll tell a lie when it's convenient. But if we're more concerned with what God thinks about us than what people are, we'll do what pleases him instead of what pleases them or what makes us look good. Fear God more than man. Second, realize that this is a gospel issue. Where does the security come from to be an honest person, to not have to impress other people, to not have to make ourselves look better, to fear God more than other people, to want to please him? It comes from knowing that Christ is in us and he's living through us and we're loved and accepted by him through his cross and in his death, burial, and resurrection, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we're a child of God and that nothing's ever going to change that. And when we're secure in that... We don't have to live to try to impress other people, but we can live to obey God. It's a gospel issue. Three, we need to know the truth. If we're going to be people of the truth, we need to saturate ourselves with the truth of the Word of God. Four, we need to be committed to doing what Ephesians 4.15 says. Preston talked about this a couple weeks ago. To speak the truth in love. It's a command. Adrian Rogers said, loveless truth is brutal. Truthless love is hypocrisy. Love in truth is necessary. But can I say to us, while we are to speak the truth in love, I mean, we're better off hearing truth without love than we are hearing a lie. And that would lead me to a fifth suggestion here, is we need to grow in how we receive the truth. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying. We're we're commanded to speak the truth, whatever. But, you know, the people in your life, you can make it harder or you can make it easier for them to speak truth to you. Like your boss at work, if they correct you, do you go pout? Or do you take it like an adult and do something with it? In your marriage... Like, man, if if your wife says something to you, do you blow up at her? I mean, even if it's true, it's going to make it harder for her to be honest with you the next time, and it's just kind of starting to build a wall between us. Ladies, your husband speaks some kind of truth to you. 
Do you blow up at him? Do you go pout and sulk? Do you all of a sudden receive the spiritual gift of celibacy for about the next three weeks because you're mad at him because of what he said? We can make it harder or we can make it easier for someone to speak the truth to us. Number six, we're called to live the truth. We're called to live the truth, not a double life, not be hypocrites. That's living a lie, not have things uh, covered up and hidden. Listen, Proverbs 10, 9 says this, He who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Walking with integrity is speaking and living the truth no matter what the cost. Being the same in public as we are in private. Saying what needs to be said. And then number seven, I hope that we'll realize that our fellowship with God in our relationship with others is dependent upon our obedience to this command. We can't live dishonest lives and think that we're in fellowship with God. We can't live dishonest lives and build healthy relationships with other people. So, I would encourage us. Are you a Christian? You're not sure? Does your life show something different? Listen, the Bible says if we break God's law in one point, we're guilty of all. If you just told us, you say a few little white lies in your life, that sin still separates you from a holy God. And you need to repent and trust Jesus so you can be forgiven of your sins and have a relationship with God. If you've got questions about that, fill out your connection card. Let us know. Come talk uh, with me uh, about that. Can we, as believers, if we're Christians, make up our minds, make a commitment, make this our conviction that we're going to tell the truth no matter what the cost? Is there something, is there some lies that you need to repent of? Something you need to confess to God? Is is there something you need to go make right with somebody else? And it it may be hard and there may be consequences. Maybe you need to talk to a pastor. Maybe you need to talk to a church counselor. Maybe there's a situation that you're going to have to have some help walking through. But just know this. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven, you're new You're a new person, you're clean, you're loved, you're accepted, and by telling the truth, nothing is going to remove you from that. Listen, you don't have to lie, you don't have to hide, because he knows who you are anyway, and he loves you anyway, and he died for you to make you his own. Let's ground ourselves in the gospel so we can have the freedom to live honest lives. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Honesty is the only policy for a child of God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I pray that you'd speak and work and convict by your spirit. Father, I pray that where people have been lying to themselves, that right now that you'd just flood their minds, their hearts with truth. God, where people have been hiding and covering something up, I pray right now that you give them the conviction and the grace to do what they need to do to make that right. Lord, for people who don't know you, I pray that by the drawing of your spirit that you give them faith and repentance and bring them to yourself. God, I pray that uh, you give us the conviction to live honest lives, to live as people of the truth, to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers also. God, I just pray that you would work in us right now by your spirit, who is the spirit of truth, through your word, 
which is the word of truth. Lord, just saturate us with the truth. Remove the lies from us. I just want to encourage you right now. Maybe there's some of you that you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to tell him you believe in him, ask him to come into your life. Maybe you've got questions about that. Come see me or talk to Pastor Philip. Let us know through your connection card. Maybe you've told some lies. There's some teenagers sitting in here. Research shows that children and teenagers lie a lot more than uh, adults. Can I just tell you something? I mean, if you're a teenager, I really want you to listen to this. I mean, I've seen this play out. You do not want this to become your character right now because it will ruin your life going forward. If there's some lies in your life, you've been lying to your parents, your friends, make it right with God. Make it right with them. Ask forgiveness. Anybody of any age, there's something you need to make right with somebody else, something you need uh, to confess to the Lord. Let's repent. Let's change our minds. Father, I pray that you give us the grace to do this. Lord, just work right now by the power of your Spirit and overcome Satan's lies and whatever's opposing how you're speaking to people. And God, bring about your will in our lives. Cause us to react and respond in the ways that we need to. For your glory and for your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name.